Hey everyone, I am Fallon Mercedes Brock and I have a special new health and fitness podcast for you. And today we have a very special guest being my first guest on this show and it is Dr. Blake Schusterman. How are you? I'm doing fine. I'm, I'm so excited. I'm your first guest. I, I'm so excited. Thank you for taking the time to, you know, join me via Zoom. And I know that you have a new book coming out and it is called The Cooking Docs Kidney Healthy Cooking. Can you please tell me more about this book and what made you make the decision to um, write a book for your patients and your followers? Yeah, sure. So I'm a kidney doctor. Uh, it's a, also known as a nephrologist. And so I take care of people who have kidney disease. And I have done that for the last uh, 10, 11 years. And I am in Greenville, South Carolina, which is uh, not known for its um, uh, for the healthiest food here. And so when yeah, I got I, here, I'm in Atlanta, so I know there's a lot of Southern cooking. A lot of Southern cooking and a lot of people with years and years of Southern cooking kind of baked into their bones, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, when I got down here like 10, 11 years ago, um, I realized that a lot of the people that I was seeing didn't know what healthy food was all about and didn't know that eating healthy food can uh, affect the way that their kidneys function and the way that their diabetes is managed and the way that their high blood pressure is. And so I've spent the last 10 years trying to figure out what foods I can teach people to eat and what patterns of eating can help best protect their health. And so I decided to put it all into a book. Yeah, because I'm sure you probably get tired having to explain the same thing over to every single patient or everybody who comments on your YouTube or social media. Yeah, I, it, it was nice to say, I can say, I actually had somebody call me, my office the other day, and they said, um, uh, what, what should I eat? Is it okay if I go on this diet or not? And I said, just wait a week, you can buy the book, and then everything you need to know will be right in there. And I'm sure you were so happy, like, with that answer, like, I'll have a book, give me a second. Yeah, I was happy about that. But I'll tell you, if you say the same thing over and over and over again, you get really good at, um, at teaching those points, so. Yeah. So I guess what I would want to know, and I'm sure a lot of my followers, you know, we only know so much about nutrition and you being a doctor, um, did you like, where did you learn about nutrition? Did they teach it to you in medical school or did you have to kind of branch out and find out on your own? Because I'm sure in medical school too, you were working tons of hours, even with your fellowships. So I'm sure you were probably eating out and <laughs> not eating the healthiest. No, definitely not. Um... Yeah, that's, it's, it's actually a, um, a fault in a lot of med schools that you, and uh, in your training that you don't get enough training about uh, nutrition. You know, you may learn how the uh, underlying biology or chemistry works like on a cellular level, but they don't teach you a lot of times how to uh, kind of put that into daily practice or the specific nutrition of a, of a daily life that makes people healthier. And so uh, a lot of it, I kind of learned through my own, through reading. And um, I, I, like six, seven years ago, I went to a conference at the Culinary Institute in uh, Northern California. It's, it was called uh, Healthy Kitchens, Healthy Lives. And uh, it's a combination of uh, the Culinary Institute and uh, the Harvard School of uh, Health, something like that. But anyways, I just, I learned so much there and it really kind of uh, started me on my trajectory this way. 
Wow. So you said they didn't teach you much um, nutrition in school, but more so on a cellular level. If you had to say like out of your 10 years of schooling, um, how much time did you get the chance to study nutrition in school? Oh boy, it's probably less than a couple weeks. Yeah, I that's mean, what I've heard. Yeah, it's not much. I mean, um, I, I will say though, it's changing now. A lot of med schools are having uh, uh, culinary health programs where they teach their uh, the med students to cook and how to um, how to teach their patients to cook. I think it's changing. Yeah, that's a good thing. Yeah, it's a very good thing. Why do you think they're changing now? Um, well, I think there's, first of all, the, the students, I think, are much more interested in it than, um, than I was when I was a student. You know, I was, I, I was so focused on just trying to learn the, uh, the cellular stuff that it was hard to think about the nutrition stuff on a bigger picture. Um, but the students these days are much more interested in kind of lifestyle medicine and preventative medicine. And, um, and so, uh, and there's just been this push to in incorporate that nutrition stuff and even cooking into the curriculum. And so because the students are interested and some faculty are dedicated to it, I think it's, I think the tide is turning. Yeah, I, th I think it is too. And I feel like um, it also gives the, the patient, and again, why I loved your book, I got a free sample, thank you very much. Um, <laughs> it makes you feel empowered with your health, you know, so often you go to the doctor and, you know, you're given a prescription or, you know, you're told you need this type of treatment, but you go home and you almost feel powerless. But, you know, with your book, you are kind of giving your patients the tools to put um, a lot of their health in their own hands. I, I hope so. I mean, you're exactly right. Uh, you know, we, I think as doctors, sometimes we get focused on, um, uh, especially when you're talking about kidney patients, I don't want to limit so much what my uh, patients can eat and I want to give them medicines and help them. Um, but most of my patients, they want to be empowered. They want to know what they can awesome. do to benefit their health. And, um, and it is really, um, it's amazing to be able to give them something that, that they can take home and they can say, well, I'm going to start down this path and I know it's going to be better for me. That's awesome. Okay, so the normal person at home may not know the function of their kidneys. Yeah. I will tell you, I've taken anatomy and physiology in college, and I'm a nutritionist, and I still don't know <laughs> exactly what the kidneys do. I know, I know you have two, and I know um, sodium and salt can have a big impact on, on them, but what, what do they really do? Yeah, the kidneys are, um, they're, they're very complicated organs. I mean, uh, um, they do a couple of main things for the body and then they do a cup and then they do a whole lot of other little complicated things. But the two things to know really about the kidneys are that they uh, get rid of extra fluid. So all the extra fluid that you drink or fluid that you eat and that your body decides it doesn't need, the kidneys process and get rid of in that in the urine. Uh, the other thing that they do is they take waste products from the body and they determine exactly what your body needs and what the body can get rid of. And then whatever the body can get rid of, uh, also it comes out in that urine. So those are kind of the two main functions. The kidneys get rid of waste products and they get rid of extra fluid. And then when you get kidney disease, the kidneys have trouble with both of those things. Got it. 
Okay, so being that they, you know, get rid of excess fluid, what foods or fluids would you say have the highest negative impact on a healthy person's kidneys? So it's, um, that's what my book really is all about. I'm, I'm glad you asked that one, Fallon. <laughs> um, so if, if you think about, first of all, what you drink, the, the, there's a lot of misconceptions about what you drink and how it affects the kidneys. So the first thing a lot of my patients tell me when they come in to see me in the office is, well, ever since I found out I had kidney disease, I've been drinking cranberry juice all the time because I heard it's good for my kidneys. Mm -hmm. And then I've been trying to drink as much water as I can, eight, eight ounce glasses of water to really keep the kidneys healthy. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, the important thing to know about that is cranberry juice doesn't help the kidneys at all. Uh, and that uh, really most people are pretty good at keeping themselves hydrated. So, so eight, eight ounce glass of water is probably not fully necessary, mm -hmm. but water is definitely the best things to drink for your kidneys because it doesn't have any extra calories. Mm -hmm. And so that's where people really get into trouble uh, with what they drink is when they start pounding the sweet tea. Mm -hmm. A lot of people drink sweet tea down here in South Carolina. Yes, yes. here in Georgia too. <laughs> and what about like Gatorade? Gatorade has a lot of sodium in it too. So I would, you know, assume drinking tons of Gatorade, you know, do you see a lot of athletes? No, uh, I see some, but do you know who developed Gatorade? I'm assuming it's a Coca-Cola product, I'm guessing. So, it, so the formula actually from Gatorade was developed by kidney doctors at the University of Florida, I believe. Oh, interesting. And, uh, and so um, the uh, Gatorade is, I think, a good drink for people who need a, uh, uh, a sugary, salty drink after a hard workout. workout. Mm -hmm. Because if you're, if you're working out, you're certainly burning a lot of calories. You may be getting dehydrated. And you Even can- Electrolytes. Electrolytes are low, yeah. So you can tolerate that Gatorade, no problem. But if you're um, you know, 50 or 60, and you have diabetes or even younger. And you don't um, work out. <laughs> and you're not working out. Yeah, you don't need Gatorade. And really, it can give you a, a boatload of calories all of a sudden. So yeah. um, while I don't see a lot of young kids kind of binging on Gatorade, uh, I think that um, I do have to steer some older people away from Gatorade because they don't realize that it's got all that sugar in it. In it yeah. OK, so um, I, I remember watching one of your videos and um, you were talking about salt and you were kind of going through the different types of salt and explaining that, you know, um, regular, you know, um, table salt compared to Himalayan pink salt. And I think you had another salt, but yeah. you were kind of letting everybody know that there's not much a difference. One isn't really better than the other. And you told me before you got some backlash on that. Why do you think that is? And um, why do you think the public doesn't know that? I mean, I, I still get backlash on that, <laughs> that video. That is, that is my most controversial video by far. Um, you know, I think that um, it's really exciting to think that the pink Himalayan sea salt is gonna be good for you. I mean, it's just a, it's a great story Everybody wants the pink salt to just benefit your health. It's natural. It's got these other elements in it. And I think whenever there's a good story like that, um, it's really easy to kind of go down that road and, and want to believe it. 
Um, but if you look at kind of the, um, uh, how much other stuff is in that Himalayan sea salt, now, you know, 97%, 98%, something like that is sodium chloride, which is the same stuff that's in all the other salt. Oh. Um, it's got a couple little extra percentage of minerals, but those minerals are such a tiny amount mm -hmm. that they're not providing any benefit or any difference to your health. But it's a great story, and the pink salt is, is beautiful. I love using that pink salt at home just because it looks pretty. Mm -hmm. So what do you suggest instead of using salt for people to flavor their food? Because I think my clients, as a health coach, um, I have a hard time weaning my clients from the SAD, uh, the standard American diet, to a healthier, you know, plant-based or just more vegetables and fruits. And the one thing that they give me pushback on is um, you know, the seasonings, because they feel like, well, I transitioned to low carbs and plant-based and less dairy. Why can't I have the salt? So what do you suggest for me and for people to, um, you know, tell our clients or, you know, use different ingredients that are healthier? What, what do you suggest other than salt? Yeah, that's, that's a tough one, right? <laughs> and I mean, the, the, the salt is delicious. I mean, it kind of makes the flavors pop in any food. So I totally understand that. Um, but I, I kind of look at it from a couple of perspectives. The, the first is that um, you can learn to change your taste buds, change your taste buds. So and I've got a hashtag that you currently have. That's right. Hashtag change your buds. That's right. Hashtag change your buds. So uh, and salt is the perfect uh, um, thing that goes along with that hashtag because if you they've done some studies for example if you take somebody who's used to a really high sodium diet and they um you give them a couple weeks of like a no sodium or very low sodium diet and then you try them out again in two weeks and they will naturally put less salt on their food because it it they don't need that much to get the flavor because the taste buds have changed. And I have people who come see me all the time in the office after kind of doing a, a, a low salt diet for months. And then they end up at a family barbecue and they say, everything just tasted so salty. Yeah. Um, so your, your taste buds get there over time. Um, and uh, while you're kind of going through the changing your buds um, time period, uh, you should stock your, uh, cabinet with vinegars, uh, you stop, stock your drawer with uh, lemons and limes. Yep, I was just about to say that. I use yeah. tons of lime and it tastes, the food tastes so fresh. Like, you like could, bright, right? Yes, yeah, like your mouth is just like alive when you eat the food, when you add lime. Totally, yeah. I, I think citrus and vinegars and uh, trying new spices is the key to kind of get that flavor uh, without the salt. And, and I'm, you know, I'm okay with a little bit of, uh, of um, table salt or kosher salt, you know, something to give it a little bit of flavor as long as you're not, because most of the, a lot of the sodium comes from, uh, you know, restaurants or the processed foods anyway. Yep. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, I know in your practice, you see a lot of diabetic patients, um, people with high blood pressure, um, people who are obese or who have a high BMI, what, why do those health conditions um, affect their kidneys and that they have to see a nephrologist? Um, both, all, all of the, uh, you know, all of those conditions uh, 
can lead to things that cause kidney problems. So uh, diabetes, uh, the high blood sugars over time can lead to the kidneys uh, having trouble filtering. Uh, high blood pressure over time with all that pressure going in through the kidneys can lead to the kidneys having trouble filtering. Uh, obesity, uh, actually the kidneys have to kind of hyper filter in somebody who's really obese. And when the kidneys are hyper filtering, that can lead to scarring in the kidneys. Mm -hmm. so, uh, so all those things kind of work together to cause uh, long-term kidney damage. And you're right, so many of the people who I see in my office are struggling with those things. Somebody who has kidney disease, um, whatever level that they're at, whatever stage, can you reverse it with your food? Like somebody who comes in with, let's say, mild stage kidney disease, yeah. can they go back to having a healthy kidney after eating healthy and losing weight and exercising? You know, it's 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 controversial, and I'm not sure the answer to that question. I uh, hope you don't get backlash over this. <laughs> <laughs> because I mean, I've certainly had people that um, that have. Uh, a certain stage of kidney disease and then they change their diet and things tend to get better. Uh, but I've also had more often than not, if somebody changes their diet and uh, really uh, leads a healthier lifestyle, what we're looking for is we just don't want those kidneys to get any worse. So we could kind of, if we can stop the disease from progressing right where it is, uh, you know, I'm just as happy as the reversal. Um, and, and, you know, I don't, I think that anybody who's telling you that something that you can eat or drink or, or going down the path of, uh, it can really lead to reversal of kidney disease, I think is um, probably telling you things that aren't 100% true. So, and, and it sells well. I mean, you talk about uh, reversal of kidney disease and things like that, but most of the time, if we can work to keep those kidneys stable, that's good enough for me. Yeah, I agree. Um my mother and I know we kind of talked about this offline before she had a lung transplant and now she's an early um, stage kidney disease and she's taking so many medications. I think like, I don't know, probably at least 50 pills a day. Wow. And, um, you know, her doctors are telling her that her kidney disease is related to and has come on because of all the medications. So do you ever get transplant patients or patients who have illnesses that have to be on so many medications that affect their kidneys? And is there any way to stop the progression even though they have to take those like, you know, um, my mom has anti-rejection pills that, you know, she cannot not take. Um, how's your mom doing? Oh, she's great. She's amazing. She, gets, she gets upset because she gets blood work done. She gets upset when they say, oh, my potassium's high again. And then, you know, we'll go through the kitchen and I have a list of all the foods. So, mm -hmm. you know, we'll, on our, on our end, we'll try to lower the foods that have high potassium. But, um, you know, we're wondering what we can do to help the process of, you know, the, the meds that she has to take. Yeah, that's a talk about being between a rock and a hard place, huh? Where the medicines that you're taking to to keep you alive are also affecting another organ in the body. Yeah, I see that all the time. And um, you know, the way I approach it is um, we would do everything else that we can to keep your kidneys healthy because we probably cannot uh, change that medicine. Mm 
mm -hmm. uh, you know, if the transplant doctors or whatever it is, if you need to be on that medicine, then we're just going to have to keep you healthy from every other standpoint with your kidneys. So that means keeping your blood pressure under control, keeping your diabetes under control. It means uh, trying to exercise. Um, it means if there are other medicines that we can stop that are affecting your kidneys, maybe we try to stop them or lower the dose. But it really, that's, it's a tough position to be in. Yeah. Um, Do you think over time that the kidneys will adjust to the medication if you know they've been on it for a while? It de depends. Sometimes, sometimes people's kidneys um, last for a long time on these medicines, uh, and other times they don't uh, adjust as well. One of the crazy, one of the craziest things is that we use those medicines also for kidney transplant. Mm -hmm. So we give somebody a new kidney, and, and then, then you put them on the medicine, then their their kidneys get affected again. But exactly, that's right. Yeah. So. Uh, it's it's kind of a it's really backwards. I mean, we yeah. still have so so far to go in medicine to to find the best treatments for people. Yeah, um, I do have a couple more questions before yeah. we go. Um, currently, you know, we're all affected by the pandemic. I know doctors too, with um, COVID nineteen you know, going on as a nephrologist, you know, have you seen patients who are, you know, some of your kidney patients that get COVID-19 and um, how does it affect them? And have you ever seen, you know, the opposite COVID-19 affecting a healthy person's kidneys? Uh, definitely. Um, I, I've seen it both ways. So a lot of times people on, uh, if you have kidney failure, you're oftentimes on, on dialysis. Mm -hmm. And so people on dialysis, um, uh, we've probably seen, um, well, we've seen a lot of people on dialysis who have developed COVID and ended up in the hospital. And when you have on dialysis or you have kidney failure, oftentimes you have a lot of these other risk factors or comorbidities that they talk about that can make COVID a little bit more severe. And so, um, so we have to kind of, be extra careful trying to keep those patients who already have comorbidities safe uh, all the time. Uh, so we've worked really hard on doing that. And then on the other end of the spectrum, as you said, um, when somebody gets sick with COVID and they have normal kidneys to begin with, sometimes COVID causes kidney failure. Uh, and so um, people can end up on dialysis uh, with a COVID infection, even if they didn't have any kidney problems to begin with. And how does that work? Because I understood that COVID-19 was more so like a pulmonary, a lung, um, you know, issue. So how does it so affect the kidneys? Well, uh, I think we're still learning. Um, but, you know, this is what I always say about the kidneys is they are like these sensitive little organs in the body. And whenever something else goes wrong, whether you get an infection or you get a new medicine or uh, uh, you get sick with something else or you have surgery, the kidneys are just, um, they, can, they can get damaged very easily. And so COVID is such an aggressive uh, illness for a lot of people and, and you know, more than the lungs, you know, it also affects the blood vessels a lot. And so when somebody gets sick like that, the kidneys, these sensitive little organs just happen to uh, get injured as well. Um, so, so everybody should wear a mask, stay distanced, don't let your guard down um, during this time. And eating healthy food um, can help, you know, um, make you, you know, um, 
what's the right word? Eating healthy can help you protect your body from suppressing your immune system, correct? Well, yeah, I think that like, um, you know, I, I think if you are in, if you don't have any of these comorbidities, so diabetes or high blood pressure and obesity, you seem to do much better if you get COVID. So um, I think that, you know, that also is the tendency for a lot of other diseases. So uh, if you keep yourself healthy or if you try to manage your diabetes and high blood pressure and weight and stay active as best as you can, I think if you end up with any kind of illness, you end up doing better. Um, you know, I see, I do see people out there who I think are um, trying to kind of make money in a way off the pandemic and uh, selling little books of um, uh, immune foods that will protect you if you get the disease and things like that. And, and, and I don't necessarily believe that that's the case. If you get this virus and you get sick, um, it doesn't matter if you have an orange or a donut for breakfast, you know, it's, it's going to make you sick. Yeah, more so because those illnesses or like comorbidities are already there. Exactly. Yes, you got it. Yeah. Okay. So being that you're the cooking doc, um, yeah. how did you get that name or who gave you that name? And what are your favorite uh, kidney friendly foods? So um, I gave that name to myself. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Thanks. I needed a way to kind of... Um, uh, get the idea out there that uh, I'm a doctor, but I also love to cook and share healthy recipes with my patients. So uh, it's kind of a fun name. It's better than Dr. Schusterman. I yeah, mean, it's a lot easier to say too. <laughs> easier to say for sure. Um, so, you know, when I think about like the best kidney healthy foods, you know, I, I think about kind of uh, a, a pattern of eating that is uh, uh, plant-based, it's cooking at home, it's fruits and vegetables. If you have um, early stage kidney disease and you can eat high potassium fruits and vegetables, it's eating lots of those. If you have late stage kidney disease and you can't eat the high potassium fruits and vegetables, or if you have high potassium in general, it's loading up on the low potassium fruits and vegetables. It's trying to avoid really high protein diets and staying away from big steaks and big hamburgers and that kind of thing. Um, and I think if, if you can kind of change your dietary pattern to focus on the fruits and vegetables, I mean, it, it's, it's all the stuff that we've heard before, right? Um, so it's the same kind of things that are good for the rest of your body are also good for your kidneys. Yeah. In your book, um, you mentioned that you often get patients who come in and they say they're trying to follow a healthy diet. And then you ask them, you know, what did you eat for breakfast? And again, it's the standard American diet, the sad diet, and it's eggs and bacon or sausage and um, just a bunch of, you know, high protein foods. What is your reaction and what do you usually say to them? Uh, well, I kind of, you know, most people, they don't know what's healthy. A lot of people don't know what's healthy and what's not. Um, they, you know, they've, you know, especially down here in the South, they're, maybe their mom's been cooking for them for a long time and, and then they got out and then um, they've been cooking the same way for the 20 years, 30 years. And so they just don't know what's healthy and what's not. And so we, we kind of go like, I just break it down for them and we try to make things as easy and simple as possible. And I say, well, let's, okay, let's, first of all, let's stop 
driving through the McDonald's drive-through every morning. Okay. Yeah. That one's definitely not healthy. So we kind of, we, we start off easy, the low hanging fruit. Let's, <laughs> let's pick off what we can get rid of that I know is bad for you. Okay. Let's yeah, stop so the everybody at home watching, here's the first tip. If you are getting breakfast through a drive-through window, <laughs> that is something you want to take off your list. Okay, it sounds obvious, right? But but I mean, a lot of times, you know, we we get bogged down in the um, in the details of you know exactly how much protein or how much carbohydrates to eat. When a lot of people just need to work on not going through the drive-through, not drinking the um, the three sodas a day. Um, you know, not drinking the, the juice, you know, there's not having the candy bars and the pound cake or the cupcakes. I mean, there are, these are, these are simple things sometimes that are just as effective as kind of looking at the, the other details. Mm -hmm. And I think too, um, you know, I think a lot of people are just not educated on food. We often will go to our doctors and ask them questions, but kind of like you said early on in our conversation that a lot of doctors don't get tons of, you know, um, education on nutrition. So for instance, I was reading about eggs and a lot of even my clients feel eggs are healthy, but technically um, the egg companies are not allowed in any marketing to write healthy on um, their marketing for their eggs. So that right there tells you, even though, you know, subconsciously we have thought that eggs are healthy, they are really not if the own marketing company can't write healthy on eggs. I, I didn't, I did not know that about the marketing companies not being allowed to. Uh, yeah, and they'll find other ways to, you know, persuade buyers to think they're healthy, but the word healthy or health if they cannot legally write it on any marketing or packages for egg products. Wow, I, I did not know that. I mean, you know, I, I have kind of a, a back and forth relationship with eggs, depending on um, which study I'm reading or, or who I'm talking to about it. I, I think for a lot of people, you can, you can incorporate some eggs into your diet um, if you do it the way I love to do it. If I'm making scrambled eggs or, or something like that, um, I'll either do egg whites or yep. sometimes I'll do like, sometimes I'll put just a one or two egg yolks in and mainly egg whites just to get a little bit of that flavor too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think too, like you were saying, it's how you cook them. Um, if you're cooking them in oil, if you're eating tons of the yolks, if you're throwing a bunch of sodium on them, um, exactly. and then too, how, how are you layering it? If you're getting a McGriddle that has two sausages and, you know, um, eggs and it's fried in between carbs, I think eating that every day is going to make you more susceptible of getting, you know, um, no question about that. Yes, exactly. Exactly. No question about that. <laughs> now, is there anything that you would want um, our viewers to know about um, that's in your new book? Or I know you were telling me earlier that you can even get some free recipes. If you go to your website right now, there's a, a pre-order that you can do. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, the the book, uh, The Cooking Docs, Kidney Healthy Cooking, uh, you can, so my website is thecookingdoc.co and um, it is available there. I've got the first chapter available for download with some, um, some free recipes, including a uh, um, 
a mac and cheese that's kind of lightened up that I've worked for a long time to, uh, to get to taste good. Um, but the book itself is really a, a labor of love, um, kind of everything that I know about um, kidney disease and ways to eat to protect your kidneys and some fun stories and charts and beautiful pictures um, through the first half of the book. And then the second half of the book is uh, 50 to 60 recipes, uh, some uh, plant-based recipes, some chicken, some fish, a little bit of dessert. Um, and uh, really it's kind of the way that I cook and the way that I uh, talk to my patients and teach them how to cook and the way that I think that a, a, a healthy dietary pattern that um, can help your kidneys should go. And then you said it's um, on your website for pre-order, pre but your, yes. your book will be available October 15th on Amazon, your website. Are there any other places? Um, it will probably end up being available anywhere um, books are sold on the internet. Um, it may take a little while to get there, but if you go to my website, thecookingdoc.co, I'll have that all updated with where you can buy the book, uh, and it'll be on, available on Amazon starting uh, October 15th. How exciting. And I know, again, you're the cooking doc and I'm um, known for, you know, fitness. Is there anything in the book where you talk about exercise and the importance of it in terms of your kidney function? Uh, yes. I, I mean, um, you know, if, if there weren't, if, the, if I didn't write a book about um, food, it would probably be about exercise because uh, as, a, as a doctor, you know, I feel that exercise is the closest thing to a miracle drug, really, that, that I have. It, it, makes, it makes everything better. It makes people feel better. It makes their joints better. Uh, it makes their, um, you know, their cardiac disease better. You know, it can help keep your weight stable. And I tell people that when you're starting to exercise, which I think is great, don't be discouraged if you don't lose weight. You are still getting benefits of exercise, even if you're not losing weight. You're, there's so many benefits from it. So get moving. Nice. I love it. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to chat with me. Um, just to let everybody else know that you're, who's watching out there, um, Dr. Schusterman and I, we are going to have a second part series. Um, we are going to do a little cooking show for you guys. And um, the cooking doc himself is going to teach me how to make a kidney friendly meal, which I'm super excited about. I recently went vegan and um, I've been trying to incorporate since reading your book, um, a lot of foods that are lower in sodium. I've been watching the salt, um, but I would love to learn a recipe, maybe even that mac and cheese recipe you were talking about. Oh, that sounds good. We can make that vegan. We can okay. absolutely make that vegan. Or whatever you have, you know. Um, yeah. I can cook for my husband too. He's not fully vegan yet, um, but he's trying to come on board. But I think um, anything that you can teach me that can help my followers and viewers, we would be so appreciative. I, I can't wait, Found That sounds like a lot of fun. Thank you so much for okay, having thank me. Thank you. And you guys out there, if you want to keep up with The Cooking Doc, what is your social media? Like, what's your Instagram handle? I'm at The Cooking Doc. Okay. And is it you posting all your stuff on there? It's me, and I also have some help. Oh, I'm, yeah, I, I do, I'm like, I am, you're such a busy man. How do you do it all? You're ready. Yeah, I, I am a full-time doctor, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I have lots of help.
That's awesome. So um, I will be letting you guys all know once we confirm and lock, the, lock down a day and time that we can get in a little cooking show together. And um, I'm sure uh, the cooking doc himself will post it on his social media. But again, I appreciate it. And I hope, you know, you guys out there watching that you have learned something. And if there's any questions that you want to have me ask um, Dr. Schusterman, let me know. Um, I'll be able to ask him next time we have him on. Thank you so much. And and um, we'll see you soon.